come one, come all, gather round, beautiful people. It is your favorite time of the week. That's right. Another episode of Malfunction is coming in hot for you in just a couple minutes. But first, let me introduce to y'all our guest today, Lonnie Shields. Lonnie is one of my best friends since college, about 12 plus years under our belt at this point. And she's also another one of my bandmates in The Roommates. She and I are actually the founding members, and it all started when we were just playing around in our living room playing guitars in college for our friends, and long story short, here we are today. But outside of music, Lonnie is just a really beautiful human being, and I know it's not going to take y'all very long to catch on to that because her energy is just so contagious. But I'm not going to ramble anymore. Let's just get into this episode because Lonnie's fun, Lonnie's awesome, Lonnie has the energy, and Lonnie is where it's at. So thank you again for being here. Let's get to it. Oh man, it's going to be a good one. It's going to be a good one with Londa. Long dog of five, keeping it alive. What's up, Lonnie? What's going on, Mama? How you doing? I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. We're sitting down, having a chat in the studio. Got us in here like, man, you got me in here? Ooh. I'm so excited. You know, tell them where this is going. I know. I yeah. know. Jesse was here last week. Now I have you here this week. Maybe Lil' Binda will come by. <laughs> That is Marissa, our drummer. <laughs> little bean dip. It's a long story. Little blue y'all. bell. Okay, just know we have inside jokes. <laughs> She's got many names. Lots of names, lots of names. But just tell everybody who you are, Lonnie. Let everybody know what's the deal. Oh, so name is Lonnie. For those that don't know, uh, I'm pretty sure I know probably most of everybody that's going to be listening to Malfunction. <laughs> um, I grew up 20 minutes from Mallory. She grew up in Robinson. I grew up in Rosebud, Texas. And uh, we linked up in college. And, but that was about 2009, 2010. And we've been ride or ever since playing music and just growing in these last few years of our life. And we're just hitting our heads against the wall right now because we are going to be in our mid-30s this year, so we don't know how to act, knowing that we're going to be 35 this year. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Oh, 35? Like Man, that is weird. Dude, 34 hit different. When When I turned 34, I was like, hmm, that's bigger than 33. Yeah. 33, I still felt... And it's it's not that I feel physically different because honestly, I feel physically the best that I've ever felt ever right now. I mean, I've seen your I've seen you in your weightlifting stages in college and I've seen how you are now and I would have to agree right now is probably the best I've seen you look like physically, I'd even say mentally, like in a very long time or in the span of our friendship lifetime. Like I mean, I don't know how many side boob slips I can see. <laughs> They're all for you, Lonnie. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) I appreciate that, though, for real, because y'all, Lonnie has seen me at some lows. It's the same. She's seen me at the same. It's true, and but that's why we love each other so much. And, man, 
Who knew? Did, we had no idea when we first started hanging out that it was going to be this serious, you know, that we were going to be lifelong friends for real. I Even though as soon as we started hanging out, I felt like I've known you for years, like hundreds of years. Ever. And I still think it's funny whenever Caitlin, also known as Nemo, was like telling me, he's like, yeah, my teammate plays guitar. And at that point in time, I'm so spoiled by the guys I was in a band with in high school. So when she told me that, I was like, oh, what? Does she know like the typical three chords, G, C, and D? Wonderwall. And <laughs> four chord tour. <laughs> and then all of a sudden we link up and you bust out your capo. I was like, okay, she she knows how to use a capo. Let cool. me put this on capo 10. Yeah. <laughs> Over here playing like... <laughs> It's like she's playing a damn mandolin is what it sounds like playing on Capo 10. Probably playing Michelle Branch. I was going to say that, no lie. Probably playing some <laughs> Everywhere by Michelle Branch. <laughs> or Colby Calais, one of the two. Y'all, it was hard back then. <laughs> it was hard back then, okay? She knew she was in her feels. Like, she should have known back then, like, the songs I write years from now are going to be like these heart-wrenching, like, gut-punch-ass type songs that are just going to hit your soul in a certain way because of what we listened to when we were growing up. Like, that should have been... It all started with Michelle Branch. Exactly. Hotel Paper. Uh, hey, that album was fire. Not going to lie. That song? The Hotel Paper, it was like... Is that... The, that was the, the album title, but it was a song on yep. there. Yeah, the song was my... It's like, I write... Only uh-huh. on hotel paper. Just crying, driving in my Mustang. <laughs> <laughs> you trying to look gangster in your black Mustang? Uh, you got Michelle Branch playing in there, hotel uh, paper. It's painful <laughs> and so cringe to think back on. Oh, but what? hey. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm just thinking about like me riding in my giant expedition, listening to John Mayer, Edge of Desire. Like... <laughs> What? Who was I? And my expedition had exhaust on it, so it's like, <laughs> I'm over here. Don't say a word, just come over. Like having a concert with my damn self in my car, driving back and forth from Dallas to home or around Belton or wherever. Like, <laughs> but see, man, that expedition will always be the most. It has. I have so many precious memories. <laughs> In that thing, and if I just see one, it makes me think of you instantly. Same. It was epic, legendary. Same. I don't know if he's still rolling or not, but he had two hundred ten thousand miles on him when it gave him up. He might still one muffler might be hanging. Oh, like ain't no telling what. Oh my gosh, you kept that thing clean though. You took care of it, oh, even man. though it was it wasn't new. But that's just how you are. You, you always keep shit like clean and daddy didn't raise no bitch <laughs> oh my God. this is a this is a good place to start because i wanted to ask you a little bit about this um i don't know if we'll see if it goes deep god what you got for me yeah i guess tell me a little bit about your childhood and where you grew up and how was that for you and um yeah just just go from there man growing up in rosebud was honestly fun as a child um i got close with 
my cousin Chris, we used to run around with each other religiously all the damn time. And then, like, my childhood was fun for what I can remember, but I also think there's times where I, like, block out a lot of parts of my childhood because at the time, the people I'm calling my mom and my dad are actually my grandparents. And then the woman I'm calling my older sister is actually my mom. So going through all that as a child, which I think I may have been like five or six once I finally figured this out, and I only figured it out because there was like a family argument going on and they wanted me to leave. When I come back, I'm just kind of like, hey guys, like what happened? And just like, sit down. Like, I think you're old enough to like understand this. So they, you know, finally sit me down and tell me, I'm like, okay, so Adrian, she's actually my mom. They're like, yeah, that's your mom. I'm like, okay, who's my dad? And they're just like, well, we know who your dad is, but we don't communicate with him. And I'm just like, all right, cool. I'm like, all right, whatever. But you, Willie James, and you, Belta Shields, I'm still going to call you mom and dad because that's been burning my brain since I came out the womb. Like, you guys are mom and dad, and I'm still going to look at my aunt as my second sister, my mom as my real sister, and then so forth and so forth. Because that's, I was like, no, you guys have taking care of me for as long as I can remember is like, you're still mom and dad to me. And the older I get, like, it was kind of one of those things. It was like, I am beyond thankful that I like call like my grandparents, my mom, my dad, because if I kind of think about it, like my older sister, AKA my mom, like the situation she's in, she had a stroke in 2008. She's still kicking, going around, doing every like everyday things. But it's to the point of like, if I was living with her, how would I be today? Would I still be pursuing my passion? Would I even have a passion for music? Like, I wouldn't have had anybody to light that fire under my ass. Like, I'm going to buy you this guitar because I see like you running around with a stick acting like it's a guitar. Like, I want to buy you this guitar because you may like music a lot and it just makes me think like if I went with my biological dad like where would I be today even though I do know who he is now and I know I'm the oldest out of five siblings but it's just like I appreciate you reaching out like you know and you coming in my life and doing everything but it's so hard for me to welcome and accept this other family that I have no earthly idea about it's like I know each and every one of your names you know and everything like that but it's like I know absolutely nothing about you guys my biological dad sure enough he loves music too so I'm like okay I see where that came from like all right I I get it and I've even sent a video in the band chat and I was like look at him dancing and just kind of picture that me being out and about like in my drunkard stage doesn't this look pretty yeah. Oh, like, and y'all were like, holy it shit. Did. And you're just like, God, that that is your dad. But, and like, if anybody were ever asking me about my dad now, I'm like, my dad's six feet underground. Because to me, Willie Shields is my dad. And not only that, I can, can't even thank him enough for just, like, lighting a fire under my ass. Like, anytime I wanted, like, to pick up another instrument, no questions asked, I would come home from school. And it would be... When I first got my bass, it was like an Ibanez starter bass, like box standing in my room. 
and he would put it in there and he'd wait for me to get home and so he'd stay in the back room and he'd hear me just Oh. <laughs> just like do this loud like high-pitched scream and i just come running out like oh my god like crying like thank you so much yeah and he did that with the keyboard i got he did it with like electronic drum kit i got and he wasn't even in the house when i got the electronic drum kit and he was like back at my grandma's because he built my grandma's house like in the yard like across the way and i just beeline spreading like tears in my eyes uh-huh. like oh my god like you got me a drum set so it all thanks to him i'm sure i wouldn't be in the roommates i wouldn't have this much of a passion for music and it's like you know i'm just thankful for that because in rosebud you have to drive either to Waco or Temple to find any type of entertainment. Yeah, we go to movies, cruise the valley in Waco, go to the mall. <laughs> but it's like, for me, it's like I knew that once I graduated high school and even though going to college in Temple was like a big jump, I knew I wasn't meant to be planted in that area, like in a 254. So yeah, all thanks to him, I feel like as much as him and I butted heads, Growing up, like, we've gotten some, like, yelling arguments all the time, but it's because, like, we cared so damn much. We're both two passionate people that, you know, if it wasn't for him to kind of, he didn't want me to move away. He hated me coming to Dallas, but I was like, listen, I got to get out of the 254. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I love everybody here. I love you guys. I love you could drive 20 minutes to see me, vice versa. But I was like, I can't be here. And he finally had it click in his head. To where he was more accepting of me moving to Dallas than my mom was. And everybody knows how my mom is. Like, she is on, has to know where everybody's at, what everybody's doing. She'll call you in a heartbeat. So I just thank him for that, for me just getting out of Rosebud. Because if I'd imagine being there right now at 34 or in this stage of my life, I don't even want to, like, picture it whatsoever. Because, yeah, I can't. I can't at all. Yeah. Whatsoever. You know, when we went on tour, the the little week-long tour in 2019, and we stayed at your mom's house uh, for, I don't know, like three days or we something. We got there Sunday night and didn't leave till Friday, actually. Oh, yeah. So we, we were stopped, there for a yeah. whole week, pretty much. We like, kind of came and went. We were able to come back there every night because it was sort of central to everything. Yeah. But, Man, whenever I saw you around your family and how your family interacted with you, you are very highly looked up to in your family. I I was like very caught off guard. Not not that I'm surprised, but I was just like, oh damn, Lonnie is very important in this family where they look to her for decision making mm-hmm. like for real and yeah. i feel like especially since your father has passed i was just about to say that's like big time it's like whenever he passed it got to the point to where i was like the one everybody would always kind of check on to make sure it was okay because everybody sees me as the beyond goofy one like always cutting up and stuff but then they were like we need to check and make sure lonnie's good and yeah that's that's pretty much how it was my niece who's like my shadow she was you know her and I butted heads and that wasn't something like us to where by the time we apologized to each other we met up we were at the mall everybody trying to get outfits and shit and 
we're like bawling apologizing to each other in temple mall it's like oh my god it's like we're horrible and like my sister as well like her and i are so close now like everybody was kind of like leaning on each other more than ever and the big thing in our family is like we would say i love you but in a like it's like a tough love way like nobody would verbally ever say i love you like my dad his way of saying i love you was buying you things and then my mom like she'd always tell you i love you sister she didn't really say it so much because just how like she grew up I, it just wasn't thrown around that much pretty much in her time but the second he passed away like before my mom and i got off the phones like somebody has to say i love you we don't say bye we say see you later same with all my nieces like nieces and all of my nieces and nephews my pack of wolves like everybody's saying i love you religiously like it's going out of style yeah and i absolutely love it and i hate that it took something like that to happen but you live you learn and you just pretty much keep your head up moving forward and just make sure you say it no matter what because yeah tomorrow i could be gone tomorrow somebody else could be gone it's like we need to make sure we're saying it and now it's like burning everybody's head and you're like all right i get it you love me let me go back to dallas like type shit so mm-hmm. i mean our family's been through a lot in the last few years so it was it was really tough but in that same time like i grew up a lot and yeah. a lot of other people grew up a lot in our family too so it was needed but tour having y'all there Man, I was just trying to think, like, God, if we all went to the same damn school, <laughs> this would be us probably every weekend or every night where your parents knew where you were. Mm-hmm. We're at somebody's house. And either my house, it'd been your house, Jesse's house, or Marissa's house. Like, we'd have probably been every, like, one of each other's house. Never failed. One of the best weeks of my life. You got spoiled by my mom. Like, she wasn't even catering to me. She was bringing... <laughs> You coffee and tea, like had her water like already boiling, ready. like hot and ready. I I got the water for your tea, Mal, and I'm like, she was so sweet. <laughs> she really is so sweet and treated us so well. We we didn't want to leave. It was so magical that whole week. It felt like I was in a in the twilight zone in a good way. It's like time stopped. I did not even we give a fuck about anything else going on. I didn't give a fuck and I've never I think why it felt so magical is that I don't think I've ever been that I've let go that much yeah there were certain parts that were kind of stressful about it and stuff but there there was just something about it that I I don't think I've ever felt that way before or it's been so long or something yeah that man it just was so cool it felt good it was like I remember at one point in time you were stressing out and mom's like, Mal, calm down. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, Jesse, like whenever, so it's funny. So for those that don't know, when Mal starts stressing out, Jesse and I always kind of do this look at each other and we're just like, oh, oh God, shit, here we go. Here we go. We're like, oh, here she go. So when you started stressing out and I think it was about us trying to leave, like, oh. ma- like my mom just comes out the middle of nowhere and she's like, Mal. And his mouth sitting on the couch is like, calm down. It's okay. Like, <laughs> you'll get to the show. Like, and we had so much time. Like, the trailer's already hooked up to my forerunner. Like, everything's pretty much ready to go. Everybody's ready to go. We're just sitting there watching some YouTube video. And then Mal's like stressing out. My mom's like, Mal, calm down. <laughs> I'm good at doing that kind of stuff. 
<laughs> we're like, and we're all kind of looking to like, why is she stressing out? Like, we got all the time in the world. I guess it's because it was a Waco show. You wanted to get there oh, and everything. Yeah. So yeah, and that thing turned out to be really big, and then I got really stressed because I wasn't thinking things clearly like through clearly because i'm just thinking yeah this is like a normal show that we always do we'll close the show no this is waco on a wednesday we don't need to close because people don't stay out that late (laughs) and people were pissed because we didn't play until the very end and they came to see us and they're like hey what do y'all go on i'm like you know i was explaining they're like god dang you know and i did not realize that the people it was just stressing me out or it was just i was I felt very like stressed during that whole thing. <laughs> there were so many people there. And then that auction, it was just, thank God my sister Amy helped me. She brought me <laughs> pins because we I had was, no pins. I had no pins. <laughs> they texted us like, do y'all have pins? We're like, we didn't know we we're supposed to bring pins. Like, I was like, was geez, that our thing to do? I guess I dropped the ball on all this, you know? <laughs> so I felt just dumb and stressed about that um but it ended i mean we it ended up being fine but um a lot of people left before we even got to play because they had it no was idea. too late it, it was, was too late. late and i and i just wasn't i just that was a lesson learned like i just planned it the same way that i planned a dallas show on saturday night in deep ellum <laughs> But I forgot that we're in Waco playing at the Melody Ranch on, on a freaking Wednesday, Wednesday night. night. It didn't, didn't make any sense. So that's my bad, y'all. But if you came, thanks for coming. Yeah, I know my classmates came. My O5ers came yeah. out. So I appreciate you guys for sticking around. Yeah, sorry <laughs> about that. But, I mean, we raised uh, a good amount of money for a friend of mine. So that was cool. Yeah. But I just felt like... I let everyone down no. or something by not going on by no. nine o'clock. I don't even think we really put that show together. No, I did. I did. Oh, I was, that's right. You're I was the, very much the person right. that did everything. So I, I take full responsibility. This is all me, baby. Like I said, lessons learned. I really did learn a lot of lessons. I was like, oh, you, you can't. Not every show is the same. Not everyone's coming out to Deep Elm to rock out. Right. You you got to figure out how to maneuver and adjust. So not that we adjust our message, but even even then we didn't play a couple songs. We didn't play Psycho because I didn't want to scare people. <laughs> and they weren't they weren't ready. And honestly, no. that's that's not that's dumb. We should have. Yeah. We should have we should have played it and everyone else and, and if you didn't like it, you can get over it. Right. But I also just didn't want to scare anyone. I don't know. It's, oh, my God. It's That crowd that was there that night, if I can remember, was a very... Diverse. Very diverse. There was a lot of young people there that would have totally jammed out to that song. But considering it was an auction, there was a lot of more older people there, too. So considering that there was elderly people there, if we were to play Psycho... <laughs> It may, <laughs> it was, may have, we may have scared. I didn't want to cause out of any harm to anyone. <laughs> I didn't want to shock anyone. I didn't want the ambulance to have to come or something. They're like, there's this young 
<laughs> child boy girl on stage <laughs> singing maybe i'm a psycho and i my blood pressure just went up like that's something i cannot have happening right now <laughs> yeah that was <sighs> that was really interesting show it yeah and I'm just thinking about it. I was like, the reason why I didn't know much about that show is because I lined up all the other ones, but that was the one you're like, I'll take this one. I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> why? You know, for being the most uptight one, I sure do fuck up a lot. <laughs> I, I sure do make things worse oh my sometimes gosh. a lot of times I'm so done. oh it's ridiculous i'm so done oh god <laughs> i can't deal with you good yeah. times so we came back from tour and everybody had post-tour depression <laughs> <laughs> real literally like as i had a breakdown as soon as we dropped you off here i had a breakdown yeah you immediately <laughs> lost your shit as soon as we <laughs> I don't think y'all were off of we out of my even, neighborhood. We weren't even back at my house yet. Or I think as soon as you sent that first text, we just got back to my house because Marissa and Jesse parked their cars at my house. I think. <sighs> yeah. I think yeah. So, yeah. And then you just lost it in a chat. And we're like, what happened? But then days later, we all started going through it too. And I was like, sad as fuck. I'm like, <laughs> shell shocked. Like, what's going on? And, like, post-tour depression is a real thing. Yeah. And Mal had it right out the car. Like, <laughs> I didn't stand a chance. Because, uh, yeah, it was just too cool. You, yeah. And then that led to the movie. Was that right after? That was yes. literally, like, the day after we got back. Cause, so, wait, we got back on Friday. We played it. Uh, Sue Ellen's on Saturday and then the movie thing was on a Monday mm-hmm. oh I'll never forget when it says the band ready and we're all like spread out everywhere across that theater <laughs> I don't I think I blacked that out but you know what I remember when we performed we did really good like we did really good yeah considering we weren't mic'd properly like as we would at a show and at, at a venue it sounded really good. And considering that I just lost my shit. Prior to us before. Yeah. I was like on stage losing my shit. And then we get up there and it's fine. Did I wear? We all dressed up. Oh, yeah. We wore like suits and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. We all dressed up. Um, But yeah, I mean, that was a, that was really cool. Everyone liked it, you know, and... There was a good crowd there. I was in no shape. <laughs> you were not going. ready to be performing a movie premiere three days after we get back to Dallas from being on the road for a week at all. And, None of us ready. And though. it's like not that that was even that taxing. It's just I was em- I was emotionally going through it because I like I said I think that I had not felt like that in a long time and I I just didn't know how to process it healthily yeah and so i just lashed out i think that's what happened even though you had caroline to come back to and it's like we all got back to our we all got back to our like homes and stuff and at the time it's like you're going through what you're going through i had my own shit show i was going through 
Jesse just lost her grandma the second we left out mm-hmm. of Dallas. Marissa had stuff she had going on too. And it's like, we all came back to reality. And it's like, we were just on this dream being on tour for that week. And then we all come back to like, like real life shit. And we're just like, I don't know what to do. Like, how do I life right now? Like, how do I process what I just went through? But now I have to go back to my routine of what I was doing before I got in this car and was on the road for a week. And it was a lot for all of us. Like mm-hmm. we really leaned on each other big time for the probably the next month. Mm-hmm. I'd have to say, cause nobody was right when we came back mm-hmm. in their own way yeah. whatsoever. I think at that time too, in 2019, whenever I left work before we left to go to tour, I left on a bad note in like a screaming match with my boss because I've busted my ass to win this contract with the company and I wasn't going to be rewarded for it whenever I was the one that put in all the hard work, all the calls and all the stuff like that for this contract. And then we get it and it's like I wasn't part of it. And at that same time too, I was ready to just not go back to work. Like as soon as we got back from tour, I was not going to show back up on that Monday. Like I had no vision of doing it. And sure enough, going back in, they sat me down and talked with me and, you know, your corporate job is going to tell you all the things that you want to hear when, in all honesty, when they let you go or you walk out, they're easy going to replace you. Mm -hmm. And it was one of those things like I was not my happiest and it was like, I'm thankful COVID hit when it did because we got laid off from it. Like, I love it because it made me take a break and like regroup and like de-stress and everything that I needed because that corporate day job was ruining my life. Mm-hmm. Literally like turning me into somebody I'm not, I'm being pissy. I'm complaining about everything. And I'm like, this is not me. And it's like, Every musician, if you're trying to do your podcast or whatever, we would love to not have to work a nine to five or eight to five day job and can do the one things that we love. But we know in times how it is right now, it's like you have to work to kind of do the things you love. And like, I wish there was like a medium we could find to where you don't have to do that Mm -hmm. and you can still do what you love. But I mean, as I look in here at the setup right now, you... (laughs) You have to hit a grind just to get these things that you want and get these nice things that you want to do what you want. So it's like. It's a balance. Where do I find that balance? And it's, you know, I would love to have a totally different setup too upstairs at my place. And it's like, yeah, you got to grind and do this and do that just to get these things that you want. I mean, I had to grind long enough so I can get this badass bass guitar, which I love that thing to death. Not letting it go. I'm going to play it till the body falls apart in that <laughs> on that damn thing but it's like yeah it's like how are we ever gonna find a medium for like stuff like this like i think we're in a better place now because my job is really really awesome with yeah how my setup you know and they they love me and they're very very good to me it's nothing that they're doing it's just, like I said, it's just in my bones where mm-hmm. I want to be doing something creative every minute of the day. It's no one's fault. There's nothing wrong. And I've really reevaluated that exactly what you're talking about. And it's really good to remind for you to remind me of that because 
it really helps me when I view it as this is helping me get this. Yeah. Looking at it in a way where it's helping you build, giving you the resources and, but yeah, I mean, you're in a better position where you're at it Definitely. seems like you like seem way happier it's like yeah it's still Definitely. work yeah it's, it's still, still work. work and it helps being at home because like this like this job i work from home everything i do at home like i'm training i'm at home mm -hmm. and even though everybody's still trying to follow this covid protocol but like even if that wasn't a thing right now i did a position to where i'm at home so i'm virtual so i love it mm -hmm. and i think it gives me so much more freedom of just like Waking up, walking out of my room, and boop, I'm in my office. Like, at my desk, turn my computer on. I love it. So, I definitely am in a better headspace with this job than I have been for any of my past jobs. For sure. It helps when you have a good a good job. It yeah. may not be the your dream job. And it's okay to not want to do that forever. True. But also... Uh, appreciate it for what it gives you, and and you know I'm not trying to to bash on my job, you know I I'm shit. <laughs> um, well, I was like, but yeah, it's same. It's like you know all our jobs that we've had in the past. Even though you've been at yours for a while, that you have like you've been there for quite a few years. It's like we're gonna have our good days where days just seem so smooth, and we're gonna have our bad days where you just want to get up and walk out this bad boy, like. And there might be more bad days than there are good days, but but it seems like we have we're in positions where there's more good days and bad days. And I feel like that's a lot that has a lot to do with us as who we are and how we've grown in the past few years too. Because you, we always kind of use this as something as we talk about the roommates. If we would have started the roommates when we were 25, would we have taken this as serious or? Would we've just used this to be like our like, like a social status? Like, oh, you're in a band, you play in Dallas, da 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 da. Like, me, we may have possibly gotten big headed about it, and it was like it us forming the roommates. I wouldn't have been able to do it because I wouldn't have been able to keep my shit together. Or would have been drunk as hell the whole yeah, entire I time. <laughs> I wouldn't have been able to. I'm just now being able to follow through. Yeah. On stuff. Creative stuff. Fully. I'm just now like the podcast for instance, getting this off the ground. This is this is I've worked really hard and I'm following through. Yeah. And I and feel like it's kind of a practice for me to exactly. follow through, follow through. Um but I up to this point, yeah, I've gotten I've shed the being drunk, too drunk to where I can't really freaking do anything. <laughs> I've shed that. I'll never forget that show. So Lonnie, you know, I can't I can't play anymore. I'm too yeah, drunk. So I shed that and then I got really good at being able to play and write, but I didn't have the emotional and mental maturity to work through the grinding process of getting stuff recorded right the the tedious stuff i i'm i was having to work through that process and i think that i'm now ready to try to conquer that it's like i got really good at doing of not drinking and shedding some addictions and to allow me to be a little bit more where i can focus i'm not i'm not just 
not able to follow through. Right. But then, you know, it's like, I, I'm, I don't have all the addictions, but then I don't have the mental maturity that I need because I'm, <laughs> I don't have the addictions anymore to cope. So now I don't have those things that I would just turn to. So I yeah. have to push through my frustration instead of coping with it with an addiction. Yeah. In Which a you've way. texted me a few times too about like, mm -hmm. I'm not used to writing without doing this or mm -hmm. doing that. I'm not going to put it out there, but yeah, you're like, how am I supposed to write? And I know it got to a point in time you were just in a writer's block because you're like, I don't know how I'm supposed to cope. Or how I'm supposed to attempt to get these lyrics out. Like, I don't have these little niches that I used to do and these little routines that I would do just to do this one thing. Mm -hmm. And that's what took probably months for you to break through. But, I mean, you can tell that you're, like, coming out of that now and you're finding your own ways, alternative ways to finish these songs or follow through with doing stuff. And, like, the podcast, like, this is probably the umpteenth time you and I've sat down and had a recorded conversation but this one is actually going to be like going somewhere this one's actually meaningful that you have your own page your own brand like you've had three episodes or about to be three episodes out like that's pretty legit and that just shows progress like within the last few years of you setting your mind to it. You want to do it. You pushing through hell to get through it, going through hell and back, and now look at you. Like, and it's fun, too. Yeah. That's another thing. It feels fun and, and good, and it's hard work, but I'm starting to understand learning to like the process and just working through it. Yeah. That's cool, though. But tell me, tell me a little bit about your creative process and how – you get inspired or what's like currently inspiring you right now man it's honestly right now what drives me especially in the time of what we've been through is concerts so i've thankfully gotten concerts under my belt ever since covid hit and then the you know band kind of lifted a little bit so you can actually do concerts again and thankfully our favorites have been going on tour Right now, literally, and I have to say it just because Lauren and I went to this concert last week, Manchester Orchestra has literally been inspiring me. Just like Black Mile to Surface came out in 2017. And at that time, like I used to always just send you the sunshine because that was like our song. Like we would always jam it and like we just kind of go into our like a little sway or whatever because it's so vibey, just the lyrics behind it. And then the end of 2019 I randomly discovered the silence and when I discovered that song at that time that was probably the I would honestly have to say the lowest time of my life like I was hella depressed at the end of 2019 just because a lot of shit I was going through which that just made me tear up just kind of thinking about that it's okay um but yeah like that made me hella depressed at the end of uh <laughs> damn you took man we talking about this shit getting real like <laughs> i didn't even know that was coming girl damn that's what the studio Ooh. does to Ooh. you damn they got me ripped shit um <laughs> i'm trying to like talk now but listening to the lyrics of that song and then 
discovering the live version of that song. And in that time, Jesse got into the live version of that song. So it hit a hell of a lot harder. But at the same time, I was like legitimately like going through the lyrics and like reading the lyrics. And even though that song is about a letter to his daughter, my thing is when I hear songs like that, that those are the type of songs that I put on repeat. I put myself and go into the like mental state as if I'm in a music video and these songs are being sang to me. And then eventually I go back and listen to the whole album in its entirety from the maze all the way through to the silence. And it's just a story. And at that time I'm like, this is a story about my life. And I'm like, holy shit. Like, this album came out in 2017. It's 2021, and I'm just now, like, it's almost like I just rediscovered this album. Like, huh. But then it also had a lot to do with us getting older in age and us, like, being more appreciative and, like, coming to, like, a lot of understanding about life, about relationships, about, you know, things that you do and stuff. And I'm like, this album is probably the soundtrack to my life, mm-hmm. literally from start to finish. So me going to see them live this past weekend with Lauren, pretty much I'm just like, my favorite thing to do when it's like a full band on stage is watch every single person. Like, instrument I know how to play, I'm mainly like spend my focus on them. So my base inspiration right now that gets me creative is Andy Prince because I love his style of playing. I love how he plays like Stevie Wonder. He's always trying to like master licks on Stevie Wonder songs. He's going back to like all these 70s, 80s songs and it's like trying to recapture them, doing the solos that are on a guitar, doing it on a bass. And watching his videos, just him playing and practicing here recently has led me kind of like start sliding all over the place on the bass. And that led to when we played Ghost in the Room Sunday, I kind of got inspiration from him on like some of his styles of playing. So right now, pretty much like Manchester just everything the albums um million mask of god black mile even dipping into the old hope and cope album they've been like my drive because i mean honestly there was a point in time here in the last few months it's like it's almost we went through that break last year but it was at the same time you had your wedding and we didn't like we didn't mind pulling out those two or just backing out those two shows because it was really convoluting because you had a a big day coming up and we didn't want nothing to alter your day but it got to the point for me it was like almost lost it like lost the drive for music and I was just kind of like god like what's going on like why am I not will this come back exactly and it was like it wasn't even like are the roommates done are the roommates gonna come back and I was joking with somebody because somebody sent me a message like are y'all broken up we're like no 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 I was like we're just on a little little hiatus break. Like, we're chilling. Everything's good. Like, we'll, re- we'll announce a show. Don't you worry. And it was, like, at that point in time, it's like, me mentally was almost at that time. It's like, I'm thankful that we took that break. Because it's like, for me, I was like, I'm loving life. I'm having a blast. But at the same time, it's like, I can't feel that drive for music anymore. And I was like what's going on like why is why am I kind of like losing that that drive behind us right now it's like I know we we went longer without playing shows we went throughout the year of COVID 2020 10 months without playing a show I should be fine like what's going on 
And I feel like just with me, I get in such weird spaces to where I'll either pull back, like draw away from people. And I just kind of hunker down and I just kind of hermit, which is weird when I do that. And I haven't really done that much until last year where it kind of like showed his ugly face. And I was like, I couldn't play music, couldn't play my guitar. No music sounded the same to me anymore. And all of a sudden, was it? Um, the Wolf, Manchester Orchestra. I it played one day and something sparked me, and then I was like, "Y'all, when are we gonna get this anniversary show going? Like, let's go!" And sure enough, it like it just kind of like came back mm-hmm. or whatever. So it's the Reno show. The Reno show was needed. I think that really sparked the fire. For yes. me again, it, I yes, it, I mean the practicing and stuff. I was already starting to feel it getting back together as practicing and stuff, but the energy at the Reno show made mm. me believe in what we're doing again. Not that I lost belief, but it just reminded me that this is really fucking cool. Yeah. I don't know about you. I was gonna ask you if. You mentioned getting, we're going to be 35, and I know this is not something I should really be worried about, like, age and stuff. Is there going to be, like, a day to where we're, like, shows are going to be too much kind of thing? Like, Yeah, and it's not that show, it's just, are we going to be able to still be, uh... People still want, like, are we, I get, like, imposter syndrome where I already tell myself that I'm getting too old, but the reality <laughs> is, or that I, I it, you're, you're, I'll tell you what, I do have this thing that's grained in my head that, and it's from what my, some people in my family would say is, like, if you haven't made it by the time you're 35, then you just better, you better, like, you're not. Basically saying that you have to be young to make it. Right. And that, but that's really not even that's the not, truth. That's almost like them saying you have to have a kid at 21 or you have to be married at 18. And what is young? Like, exactly. Like, so I get these weird, I start to put these weird, these barriers on myself that aren't real. Or I start making myself feel like, oh, you're getting too old for this. And it's like, no, I'm not. What are you talking about? We're freaking playing. Like, if anything, this is what's keeping me young. Like this John is- Mayer is still playing. Not that he's rock. Uh, the Foo Fighters are still playing. I mean, what does it even matter? Exactly. I not. I'm just trying to throw out just people. Not that they are s- relevant to us or that we sound like them or something. But I don't know. I that's just something I struggle with sometimes. Is that? Oh, are you? What are you gonna do when you're forty, Mal? It's like, well, I don't know. Hopefully, I still have a mullet and I'm still rocking. <laughs> I don't know. I really hope so because if I'm not still pursuing creative stuff, I'll be damn surprised. To be honest with you, if you well, what else? Are, why am I? I don't know what else I would be doing. Honestly, exactly. it, it sounds real hella boring, but. Do you ever struggle with that where you feel like, oh, am I going to get too old or people? It's not that I don't, I don't feel too old. I'm afraid that people are going to think I'm too old. And that's just me being insecure when you get down to it. 
I I think about that sometimes too, and you know, I was kind of like, is this ever going to come to a point to where like I can't do this anymore, or this is straining on me more physically than it's supposed to be like me having a damn good time feeding my soul of playing live music? It's made me really curious about that, but honestly, I try to keep the motto, stay young at heart, you never grow old, and honestly, what we're doing right now, yeah, it may have taken us in our late 20s, early 30s to get this kicking, but I mean, hey, I'm I'm along for the ride as, as long as you three are, because I can't picture doing it with anybody else. I feel like we're just getting started, honestly. Exactly. It's like, yeah, we're going on year four, but, you know... We were year to workhorse at one point in time. We had a show every damn weekend for like two months. But then on top of that, it's like we've all grown up mm-hmm. so much to where we still love shows and we still love our creative phase, but we're not going to sit there and kill ourselves at the same time to where we do what we did that one year is yeah. we lost the love of playing live because it was a repetitive thing every weekend. We had no time to create. And all these songs, they were just skeletons of these songs and we could never do what we do now like for example illusionary war how we practiced it me playing on bass the part that you're singing like we never discover these things if we just mm-hmm. be like workhorses all the time yeah and i think that it's also you don't just have to play live shows to be, be a musician and be in a band exactly i think we live in a time where there's a lot of different things that you can do and that's really what i'm more interested in like i yes i love playing live but I'm more interested in diversifying other than live music because I know how to play live. I, I know how to play live music. Exactly. I know how to play a show. I it it doesn't like I honestly would love to play in front of fifty thousand people. It would I want to play in front of fifty thousand yeah, people. That, it doesn't who bother would not? me. Yeah. It doesn't bother me. Like that I that gives me life. Like at Pride when it's like We played in front I'm of five thousand people and we weren't nervous whatsoever. Like we're like, cool. Yeah, but it's like, that's not what, that is where it's at also for me. I love the energy of playing mm-hmm. live. I do. There's nothing that's comparable, but I also get that feeling when we're practicing at School of Rock by ourselves, Man. too. And it's mm. really awesome because that's why I think that this is real and means something real to us is because we're conjuring that just us four together and having literal tears coming out of our eyes when we rewatch our video because of how cool it was for us just in that moment. Exactly. Um, and so, but yeah, I think that live is such a cool part of it, but I feel like I know how to do that. Not that, that, that there's ways I can always get better and get better at playing the songs live and stuff like that. Um, which I'm totally down to keep honing that craft. But what I'm saying, I think you understand what I'm saying is that yeah. I'm, I'm more interested in diversifying outside of playing live music because I think that's really what has the potential to give us sustainability and maybe even potentially do this kind of stuff um, full time. Exactly. I it's like, I'd love to play music full time to where... My job is to play music, create, do all the stuff. Doesn't mean like touring, which I know bands make majority of their money on the road from touring, like pretty much because your merch is what keeps you afloat. But I would love to day job, 
gone. What's your day job is playing music and being, it doesn't matter if it's like the creative side of it or performing side of it. Yeah. I think it'd be awesome. Mm-hmm. It'd be a hell of a dream to have and a hell of a job to have. If it comes, awesome. If it doesn't, I don't want to ever be in the future and look back and say, I'm mad I left the roommates when I was 37 or some shit like that. Like, I'd want to ride this to the wheels fall off because it's something that's keeping keeping my headspace right. It's keeping me close to people that are not my friends, y'all my family. Mm-hmm. And not only that, it's like, it's something that we were born with this fire and this passion to have. Like, all four of us are not in this band because, oh, we play these instruments. That's it. That's it. It was divine. Exactly. It's like all four of us had a passion of playing music, but just we're kind of just floating around, not knowing what to do with it. And then we literally all came together piece by piece. And now look, like moments like Saturday, like Sunday, you don't just, you don't get those moments just like kind of jamming with just anybody random. These are like, key souls like divine souls these souls are meant to like link with yours at some point in time in your life that you get to have these special moments with like i'm literally lost where i could be forgetting the damn song we've done played a thousand damn times and it could be that one song and that one way that we play it i could just be lost in the song and i'm all over the damn place and playing the wrong notes and everything because my headspace, I'm just on cloud nine, like, yeah, loving life. And I'm like, damn, I forgot what song we playing. Like, oh, <laughs> I'm singing the wrong lyrics to the wrong song. Like, oh, snap. <laughs> well, I have, a, I have a question for you, though. Oh, okay. And this is going to be it's going to be funny because it's because you're, you're so crazy about this. What is your favorite thing about ancient aliens? Oh, shit. Well, I don't really watch it that much anymore. Or what was your favorite thing about Ancient Aliens? Because there was a point in time, any conversation we had, had Ancient Aliens. like Ancient Aliens. Ancient Aliens. Ancient Alien Astronaut Theorists say, Theorists? Ancient Alien Astronaut Theorists say, Theorists. (laughs) Theorists. Theorists says. Someone help me. Theorists. Um... Yeah, I went through an ancient alien stage and shit. Who knows what's going on? Mm, what what was the question again? It was just what was your like you used to love watching all the time. Like what um, was the biggest thing that you loved about watching ancient aliens? Because it literally was a part in time. <laughs> no matter what conversation we had, you made some reference to ancient aliens. That's embarrassing. Like, what is so? <laughs> what's <laughs> We are not alone. Like, what is so fascinating about this damn show? Okay, okay. not. I think that ancient aliens may be a little bit. Uh, I'm just. I'm using this as a. Pre- I'm going to preference, or I'm going to preface. How do you? What, what's the word? <laughs> I'm going to preface this. <laughs> thank, you. thank you, Caroline. <laughs> I'm going to preface this by saying. I think that ancient aliens is a maybe a little exaggerate and this a little it's a little silly. It's a little silly. Okay? I'm not I don't think that all of it's real or correct or <laughs> but what I like about it is that it's like maybe 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 they came down and did this or that or this or that because all I know what I love about it is when they talk about all of the ancient 
historical locations around the globe yeah and all of these just monolithic structures and there's so much that we don't know about and it's so much older than we even can admit to ourselves and there are there were probably probably been very multiple very advanced civilizations that have lived on earth and what we think is advanced is like power lines hanging from freaking wood that's stuck in the ground like <laughs> electricity but it's like wonder what if <laughs> we think that's high tech and it's just like what if they what if they concentrated their intellect and efforts into a different area of just knowledge and they operated differently and they had they used sound and they used different kinds of like methods and means to have advancements that are different than ours because we have different priorities and different goals and we have we're all going to jobs every day we're doing things that we don't even like so we think we're advanced but what the hell we have some pretty low uh ways that we think about how to exist so i i would i would say that there's a high chance that all of these huge stone carving monolithic structures may have come from an advanced civilization not that they necessarily were an alien civilization that came here maybe they it was other human beings that advanced to that point and then catastrophic you know, uh destruction of the earth came and it wiped everything out and it's done that several times like the earth has been here for so long that we don't even know how to understand the number that it's we don't even know the number but we act like we know the number yeah. and we can't even understand the depth and the how big that number is even when we try to calculate it True. so it's just what that's what i like about ancient aliens is when they go to the ancient sites and you see all of this stone carvings and just these huge, huge temples and mass just places. And then you see stuff that's completely gone to rubble because there's a lot of those places over the world that have been completely destroyed Mm -hmm. because they don't want people to know that these things exist and that they, they did exist. And we just want to stick to the 2000 BC timeline it's like okay, <laughs> let's lighten, uh, let's loosen the grip on that. Exactly, and there was a reason why I asked you that is because I was just kind of scrolling. I don't know. Somebody fact check me if this is right or not. Um, the southern part of Louisiana, um, for whatever river it is, a lot of boats drive over to a certain area as soon as you like go off the coast, and their compasses go nuts. And sure enough, they did. Um, a search by dropping like the sonar device I'm guessing into the water and realize there is possibly a town or a city, an ancient city under water in this area, literally off the coast. And they were saying some of the structures look like it is pyramid based type structures. Yeah. That is literally off the coast of Louisiana. So it was kind of funny. I saw that the other day or was told by Lauren, I think, about that. And I was like, Mal, let me ask this one. So, yeah, like it's it's crazy thing. Like the area that we're at right now, who's to say this isn't like a monolithic type 
there could have been a pyramid right here in downtown Dallas or some shit and nobody knows about because it got torn down or a storm tore it down or a comet hit the earth type thing. Like Exactly. Who knows? And what makes me, I, I kind of want to go back to maybe previous civilizations evolved differently than we did yeah. in their intellect and what they focused their efforts on. Um, instead of like, because, and one thing that makes you think that is like, they made all of these structures from stone and stone is the only thing that really truly stays for a, the test, like for a long, exactly. long time. Now we build stuff with <clears throat> things that within 200 years, the landscape would take it over and completely destroy it. Mm -hmm. Where in the jungle, yeah, it's like the, it may overtake this, you know, and cover the stone, but if you clear it away, it's You're still gonna there. You're going to see what's there. Exactly. And so that makes you think that th that's a small little detail, but they were thinking, maybe they were thinking in terms of this is, this is long last, this is where their focus was. They just operated differently. They built things differently. Their intent was different. Their spirituality was different their focus their um connection with nature how they interact with this realm is differently maybe they have a completely they did have a completely different experience of reality here on earth because it is all about how we're connecting and especially with our society like that's just all man-made we're all just collectively agreeing on things and so you know, whatever your culture and society is, you know, focusing on, then that's what it comes to be. So it's important to have people that are pushing the boundaries of that because it's not really, I'm, I'm going on a rant here. It's not, <laughs> it's all very ephemeral, short lived, Yeah. but it seems that they were just in a, they just had a different connection with what they were focused on and stuff. And that I goes a lot too. Like, in Guam, there's these things called lat stones, and it's like the bottom part of a, a vase is what the stone looks like. And then the top of it, it kind of has like this, um, <clears throat> like a bowl type cylinder type stone on top. And when you see how big some of these things get, you're like, yo, how job? What? Huh? Like, there's no way in hell you could just lift this. Like, what did you guys do? To build these things. And they're still on the island of Guam today. And they're scattered throughout the entire island. And you're like, what are these structures? What were they for? How long have they been here? And what is the purpose behind them? And, like, nobody really knows. Like, they know they were there in Guam, like, in a point in time when it was used for, like, during war. It was kind of like if your ship were trying to, if you're trying to put your ship on land, it kind of, like, would mess up your ship and would cause you oh, yeah. to go back out. But... These man-made lat stones are all over the island still to this day. And it's nuts to see pictures of them. And you're just like, How, why are these things all over the island? Like, y'all freaking me out. Like, mm -hmm. it's kind of like scary when you're looking at like these things. You could tell they're worn down. They've been there for centuries and they're still standing. It's a mystery. And there's just a lot that we don't know, a lot that we don't understand. And there's a this place is a lot older than we can even admit to ourselves. That's true. And this leads me to a good question. Ooh. What do you think the meaning of life is, in your opinion? 
Like, what are we, what are we doing here? What is this? Where are we, Lonnie? And what, what, what's the point? You know, I've always thought, like, being on one of my times of, you know, being under the influence of possibly some greenery, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Side note, your girl don't smoke that much because if I do, I'm paranoid as hell. But, um... <laughs> And when I do, everybody's surprised. Um, I always think to myself, like, what if I'm the only person in this room right now and you and Caroline are just a figment of my imagination and you two are people that I've put together in my mind? Yeah. Like, it kind of makes me like, am I tripping? Like, am I tripping right now? Like, nah, you're here. You bleed. I know you're here. I know you're here. Like, I know you guys are here. Um, but that was always a thought to myself, like, what if everything around me is just a figment of my imagination and I've planted all these things in my mind and I'm just living in this world by myself, do, 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 just cruising around on the highway thinking it's traffic, but nope, I'm really the only one here and I'm the one creating the traffic. Like, do, 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 do. And it's weird to think that we've been on some shit for me to think some stuff like that, but it's kind of weird for me to think that like, what if I'm the only person here and I'm just creating you guys, but Knowing you bleed and one day I could be gone, one day you could be gone and all of the people close to us, my purpose of life is like we're here, sadly, just to wake up, do our routine, but then at the same time enjoy life at the same time of like doing the things you love, loving to the fullest. And a lot of things like the older we get, I start to realize like enjoy life more. Cause you never know. You never know. You somebody can send a text in our band chat. I'm done, and that's it. Like we're gonna be like, okay, well, love life, ride or die. Like, <laughs> okay, like I'm still gonna keep pushing forward. But it's like just, I don't know. Live every day. The the typical motto: live every day to the fullest. Like, don't hold back. Enjoy your life in any and every way possible. Don't be scared to do something. Which me, I get my nervous Nelly sometime and I'll kind of kind of freak out a little bit. But like, I don't know, it's such a, it's like I can answer now to in a certain way. But if you were to ask me two years from now, I could probably define that a lot better. And like for me right now, my purpose of life is just live every day to the God on this like fullest the truth. Like just enjoy it. Don't hold back. Enjoy every moment that you have. Don't puss out when you get something new put in front of you because I'm a person that hates change. I hate change. You and I hate change because we hate it moving because we're like, oh, even though we're together, we're like, oh, no, don't want to move. <laughs> like, man, I don't want to move. I don't either. Oh, but we're still moving. Like, it's just one of those things, like, as as we age, we have more of an understanding of like how much we appreciate appreciate life what our life means to us like how we wake up every day viewing our life how we go through our life and it's been different every like i think every year collectively for you and i both just because you're somebody that's up here with me in dallas i've known for many years but yeah just the way i view life is completely different than it was if you were to ask me the same question 10 years ago mm-hmm my question, my answer probably 10 years ago was like, she, it's a wild, 
if I started like that, that's how you know my answer is going to be <laughs> and it would so definitely have started like that. It would have been like, shit, my purpose in life, shit. You better YOLO. Like, I would have said some dumb stuff like YOLO or... Pensacola Prod. Shit, my... <laughs> What's the she, point of life? Pensacola she, Pride. She, my purpose of life is going to Pensacola Pride, live with Sewellens <laughs> on Saturday nights, learn every line dance and doing backwards facing you. Like, that's my purpose of life. She, I'm about to be known. That's not, <laughs> that's not, that's, I'm so down. That's not how that works. Guys, if you're listening to this and you're still going to Sewellens and you're in your younger years, like, it's going to end. There's going to be a day when you just don't go to Sewellens anymore and you're going to go in your 30s after your friend's wedding and just chill in the corner and sit at a table on the dance floor and every once in a while line dance may come on you're like i'm gonna cut a rug but until then just know it's gonna end one day it's gonna end one day (laughs) man i love lonnie shields and i'm sure y'all do too after listening to that conversation and hey look i cannot thank y'all enough for being here and if y'all could do me a favor, head over to the Instagram page and follow us at malfunction underscore pod. That's at M-A-L-F-U-N-K-T-I-O-N underscore pod. And let's start to build this community together. All the other socials are linked in the show notes. And I'm also working on getting a Patreon set up. So y'all keep a lookout for that. We're going to post some like extended versions of episodes, some music stuff some diary stuff i don't know i'm cooking it up but keep a lookout for it and until next time y'all let's keep the funk and malfunction peace